talking rugby, telling stories, rugby pick. Welcome to Rugby Pick'em. Today's Rugby Pick'em bio is a guy I hold close and dear to my heart, Rob Kelly, college teammate of mine, came on the podcast to talk a little bit about the club college scene, what the culture was like, and the improvement that we made year after year. Special thanks to Rob, special thanks to our coach, Pat Kane. Enjoy. I'm here with a special guest who I was not expecting, but here he is. We call him Bob Jim Kelly, but he goes by Rob Kelly. Bob, how the hell are you? I'm very well, BC. It's great. Thank you for uh, for hosting me here. It's great to see you, and it's an uh, honor to be here on the podcast with you. Well, I like when anybody comes Colorado way, but when we met was actually back in the land of the pines. It was back in North Carolina, the old uh, Wake Forest rugby days. We should just start by saying for any international listeners, like most of the rugby in the U.S. is club rugby. Sure. There there are a couple programs. The number is growing. That's varsity where they expect you to show up in shape, dedicate to rugby, etc. But the vast majority of rugby in college in the U.S. is you choose to play for your club. And that's what we chose to do for Wake Forest. Certainly. Certainly. And it, it, it's great. I mean, we, I think one of our most proudest achievements is, the, you know, the numbers of, of students at Wake who played rugby grew every year. And I think it, it was awesome that, you know, rugby was growing with popularity. More kids were playing it. A lot of, a lot of kids started to play who hadn't necessarily played before, weren't familiar with rugby and kind of taught them the ways of the game and hopefully they're still in touch with the game it's it's an awesome sport and i'm, I'm glad to see it consistently growing throughout. those are my favorites you come out and are way too physical on day one and you kind of have to stare and be like all right listen he, here's where you need to dial your aggression sure. into what's fun about rugby it's like because some some folks they get drawn into rugby because of like the rugby culture you know like at the post game you know drink ups or just the general camaraderie you find in rugby is really unlike anything else. You know, it's, it's, it's just a really strong brotherhood or sisterhood with, with women's rugby. We had a strong connection with the Wake girls rugby team too, but I was, I can only speak for the guys team. They're guys who never played before. They just love being part of that atmosphere. Like after the game, we'll go out together. We'll just watch rugby games together, watch the six nations, watch the world cup. And it's just a really fun experience. And, Sharing that with other people was so so rewarding throughout our college career. Well, let me give a little context and history of where Wake Forest Rugby kind of came. Okay. Uh, we played for a coach named Pat Kane. Oh, legend. And Pat's vision, I guess, since he started in 2004, was to professionalize the team, make them better every year, make the competition level higher, and that's what he did. They started as a small Division three college team, worked their way up, and by the time you were a freshman and I was a sophomore, we had joined the Carolinas Rugby League, which mm-hmm. was this kind of mini D1, D2, North Carolina, South Carolina cocktail of rugby. Sure. I enjoyed it 
first off, the road trips for me were the most fun part because anytime you left Winston Salem, it was a victory. That was definitely definitely a victory. But not a whole lot going on. We're talking about Chapel Hill. You know, you had Clemson, you had South Carolina and Columbia. Our second year there, we didn't get a whole lot of wins, but I can tell you right now, we got out there in the world. And as far as college kids seeing other setups, it was certainly enlightening. I definitely agree. And I think Pat Kane, as he was a tough coach, I think he made everyone a better rugby player for sure. And I think that he um, definitely got the most out of us. And I think he kind of put our name on the map in Carolina's rugby, at least. And that helped us expand further into the mid-Atlantic region. Um, but his tenacity and intensity definitely was contagious. And as I, I joined early on in my Wake Forest career, it was apparent that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a, like a, well, it was a fun sport to be a part of. It was a, you know, we take this seriously. We want, we want to be a good team. We want to grow this program. And it was uh, his leadership that kind of led us to, to growing the program for sure. So a little backstory on uh, Bob Kelly here. Rob's a tall, skinny guy, just like me. But we did play different positions. I was a flanker. You were a fly half. Mm-hmm. I can say right now, Rob played fly half, but his best asset wasn't on the field. It was his ability to make all of his teammates feel welcome and included in the team fabric. I, Bob, I'm blowing smoke up your ass, but what I'm saying is you were a glue guy. You made everybody feel good about who they were on the team. And I think any rugby coach is not only lucky to have that, but they, they kind of need it to be successful. Sure. I, I, I appreciate you saying that. But I think part of the reason why I, I see rugby is more than just a sport. I was actually born in the UK myself. My, a little palm, dad, my, my, my dad was a rugby guy. My uncle was a, a rugby guy. My great uncle was on the Scottish national rugby team. And he's in this eighties now, but he was on the, you know, he was a perfect Hamish Ingalls was his name. Um, is his name. I should say, <laughs> sorry, Hamish, if you're listening. Um, but he, uh, it's more than just a sport. It really is a, a it's a camaraderie. It's a, it, it's a, it, it's, it really is a community of friends. And it's people that I, 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 everyone I've played rugby with, I've, some of my like, longest, oldest friends have been through my, my rugby connections, and it's it's incredible to see the the bonds you build through playing rugby outside of the pitch. I mean, the the, the drink ups, the practices, the even just driving to practice. You, you, it's just something you, a bond you build over the years, and but something I've grown up with as rugby is more than just a sport. It's really just a, a an excuse to grow a community within itself. And I think it's something that's been growing in the U.S. And I meet with my roots in the U.K. It's been something that's been part of my life. And it's exciting to see it growing further in the U.S. Shouldn't need an excuse to grow a community. No, you shouldn't. But, I mean... It's in, a convenient one. In this, in this year, it's it's been more difficult. But it's a good excuse to grow one, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. You played fly half. But I will tell the audience right now, you're 170 dripping wet. You were probably 160 dripping wet in college. Yeah. How do you balance, you know, having the speed for attack, but also 
being a guy who's pretty thin and has to catch flankers and number eights on the chin left and right. Because yeah, Rob, yeah. when you went into contact, the entire team held their breath and said a prayer before you scraped yourself off the ground and said you were okay. Well, yeah, that definitely, definitely the case, and I felt the same way. But here's the thing. I found that as a fly half, you're going to expect to get hit by the flankers. I think it, it's... It's part of the game, but at the same time, it's the size of the the fight in the dog, not the size of the dog in the fight. It's it's not really a a question of I expect to get hit. It's a, it's a contact sport. It's a it's a it's a it's a difficult sport to play at times, but you have to expect to get hit. But I yeah I, I readily admit I'm a skinny guy. But here's the thing: you have to play to your skills. So I'm a smaller guy on the on the pitch, but if I use an example, I would often play fly half and I would dish the ball out to the inside center who'd passed out to the outside center. Very routine, very routine. After play after play, we'd do the same thing for the first half. In the second half, I would just dummy the pass to the inside center. The, entire, the, guts, the, entire de- the entire defense would move to the inside center and I would have 30 yards to run. So I would have, it's part of the strategy. It's You have to play to your strengths. Listen, like, I know... I'm not going to just bulldoze the other fly half, but if I can make him think, there's no way he doesn't pass this to the inside center, or he doesn't, you know, cut back and have a double. I I would just you have to play mind games. You have to play smarter. If you if you can't play like I'm not going to run over the eight man, so I'm just going to dummy the eight man because he's just he's just a big brute, and I'm going to pretend I'm going to pass the inside center, then I'm going to you know get thirty yards, dish it off to the inside center, and we'll go from there. You have to play within your strengths. Any fly half who thinks their job is to bulldoze the other fly half is soon going to become an inside center. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. No, fly half's job is to be the quarterback, you know, have the ball on a string, kick it when you need to. And we made gains every single year. So starting in that Coastal Carolinas League, I think we pipped the ECU team on their grounds. In I do remember that, yeah. We, we were still a 500 team. Don't get me wrong. We were scraping up wins when we could. But by the time it came to my senior year mm-hmm. and your junior year, we had a run there. And our coach, Pat Kane, he wanted to grow college sports and, and especially college rugby in the Atlantic so much. We went from a small D3, D2 school to joining the ACRL, which was basically the ACC of rugby minus Boston College, Florida State, and sure. a couple schools. So now all of a sudden, you know, Wake Forest is a small school by admission standards. I think we only have like 4,500 undergrads. We're playing the Maryland's of the world, the Clemson's of the world. Uh, I know Maryland's 40,000 undergrad Clemson's 30,000 we're playing big schools but any rugby program that wants to grow this is the path you have to take and this is what Pat Kane understood is that if you want to be respected if you want to bite off more than you can chew exactly you got to grow the uh, schedule and play at top schools so by my senior year we were cruising we had three warm-ups I think we did like William and Mary a couple maybe a couple of North Carolina schools we start 3-0, and by the end of the year, we had gotten to seven wins. Um, even though we were middle of the pack for the ACRL, Maryland probably mm-hmm. won. But 
It felt special. We had seven total wins. And in our final game, if I may reminisce, it was a beautiful game. And the fact that, Rob, we were down 22 to 5 to Virginia Tech on our home soil. Mm -hmm. And we won the game in the second half 43 to 29 with Rob Kelly himself, the fly half, dotting down a brace of tries. It had to feel good. I know it felt good for me. I'm looking at the picture right now with our entire team knowing that it was a special moment, but we came a long way. uh, 100% agree. That was probably the proudest mode of my rugby career. It was a sensational day. I I do recall one of our teammates was carted off the field with a neck injury in the first half, and we just kind of rallied around that, and he's he's one of us, you know, we're going to, we're going to, Step it up. We're gonna we're gonna get our ass kicked at halftime, and we just weren't we weren't having it. I remember our our um, fullback Johnny McMurray. I uh, said his like, you know, leg hurt, so he couldn't kick anymore. So I had to step up for him. And at the same time, it was you know that that those are the, those are the memories that live with you forever. It's just taking on, um, I would say bigger opponents. You know, when we were a small school at Wake Forest. So every time we played an NC State, a Clemson, it's a David versus Goliath matchup right there. You know, it's 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 we don't have we we have a twenty three man squad because we have twenty three rugby players. Yeah, you know. So the next year, I had graduated. I had moved on to the Denver Barbells at that point. Your senior year, it was a bit of a rougher stretch. It certainly was. I mean, we had a very strong senior class the year before. You were a part of it. We had. A lot of players who had played rugby for their full college careers, high school careers, even middle school careers in some cases, and grow continually growing the sport at the same rate had become a challenge. We had um, a lot of new players who had not played rugby before. We were in the same league competing with you know the Naval Academy, <laughs> <laughs> to name a few, um, you know, Clemson. Uh, UNC, they had some very Maryland, UVA, it's very, very well established programs, and it had become more and more of a challenge to compete at that level. Um, but it, I mean, again, it had continued to be. I would, I would always be proud. Post matches, win or lose, I'd always been proud of the effort, work ethic, and tenacity. We would never like lose a game due to. A lack, a lack of, of lack of effort, and that, that's the one thing I I see is consistent with rugby teams. It's never you could lose a game because you're you know not as big, not as strong, not as fast. But if you sign up to play on the rugby team, your heart is always in it. You're not going to sign up to play rugby if you're not willing to you know take the bruises that come with it. Some guys do and it, but they sit on the bench and they, they get sit ready on the for bench. The social. Sure. But it, but it, there is if you're going to be on the field, you are very rarely not willing to you know take the bruises that come with playing rugby. And part of my you know some of my fondest memories of the Wake Forest rugby team are you know the tough rugby games and the the, the drink ups after. Of course, it's the part of the camaraderie, the atmosphere, the community of rugby that I know you talk about a lot in the podcast is the community of rugby it's it's more than just the on the field experience it's the general atmosphere that surrounds it because it is a very supportive very inclusive very um 
inclusive is the best word, I, I think. We just want everybody to like succeed and be the best version yeah. of themselves. And, and rugby is a way sometimes to bring that out of yourself. Throw yourself on a rugby field and have someone running at you and like, what are you going to do about it? You know, shit hits the fan, what are you going to do about it? And it, it really brings out your true color sometimes. Are you willing to step up in the face of adversity of some you know, three hundred pound prop running at your face. Are you gonna cower in the corner? Are you gonna, you know, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna step up and I'm gonna take his ass out. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's 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 part of the the rugby experience, and it really does show your your true colors how you approach the game of rugby. It's kind of a, li- a life lesson within a sport. And um, for all the people who you know don't play still, I think it's important to. You know, stay involved, watch Six Nations, World Cup, all that kind of stuff. It's too important. So, Rob, we got to do one of our favorite segments here on Rugby Let's Pickle. hear it. It's called Top 3. Oh! So, the concept is you got one game to win. You got to pick three guys to win that game for you. We're each going to do our own Top 3 and... The pool we're going to choose from is Wake Forest rugby players from our graduating classes, 2012, 2013. Love it. Let's start with your top three. And you know, we're going to give these guys a little feedback, good and bad. Uh, you got Love to it. One okay. game. Sure. What are you going to go with? Well, my number one has is, is got to be my main man, John A. McMurray. Oh. He was our uh, fullback for most of my years. He really could have probably played any position in the back line. Very. Johnny was a phenomenal athlete. He understood what it meant to be a star of the team, but he was never willing to put the defensive shoulder down. Now, granted, sure. if your star power is so great on offense where it ain't no thing, it, the ball comes to your hands, we know you're going to score, you don't got to play good defense. So that, Johnny, that, for that I salute for you. That, I do salute. I do salute. I would say, yeah, he he was a incredible fullback. I, he could he probably could have played outside of inside center, any of the back positions, um, and he was, I think he's the actually probably scored more points in Wake for Wake Forest than than anyone than most than most um, phenomenal player uh, defensively had a few. Weaknesses, as Shay pointed out, but I would say uh, offensively, there's no one else I'd rather have on my team. There you go, Johnny McMurray. All right, who else makes your top three from the 2012-2013 graduating classes? Yeah, secondly, I got I got to bring out as a fly half, you have to shout out your scrum half, and for me, that's Will Hank. He's a um, he's a, a tough. Tough as dirt players. He he was one of the, he was there. He was at every breakdown. He was there. I mean, that you can never fault him for a lack of effort. Um, at times, the ball placement out of the rock was a little off center. Yeah. But was trying to make you better. But he was trying to make me better. Exactly. I I, I think I'm, I I would probably I would probably say a few of my bruised ribs, cracked ribs in my day. May have been from you know errant yeah, line out throws, a, nice high release. a few, a few, a few like, full uh, hookers or and, uh, flankers who seized on an opportunity for a bad pass. But for the most part, I would say always following the play, 
always right there. And outside of the match, I would say Will Hank was always there post-game. He was one of the most loyal, best teammates you could possibly ask for. Someone you always want as a teammate. Someone who's always be on your side. And um, 100% Will Hank right there. All right, that's two of your three top three. Who rounds out your top three? And again, as a loyal fly half, I have to shout out my inside center, which is Ben Cohen. Um, Absolute bulldozer of an inside center. Fearless. Uh, He didn't miss. I I never remember him missing a tackle. Had some bum knees from time to time, but never used that as an excuse to slow him down. Um, never use that as an excuse to not, uh, you know, even if it was, even if you knew that his inside center play was to, you know, wait for the next phase and move it to the fullback. <laughs> he was someone who was willing to take it for the team. And one of the few folks, I mean, at post playing rugby career for me, um, we went over to the UK, to Wales, to, uh, to watch England play Wales and the Six Nations. So a, a true rugby fan through and through. And uh, someone I'll always enjoy watching rugby with. One one of our best callers, uh, Ben from Spain. You probably heard him. Um, there's also probably one or two other errant callers, A.K. Joey Spumoni from mm-hmm. the Bronx. Shout out, Will Hank. But Rob, the thing about Will and Ben is like both of them recovered from significant injury. Like Will had nagging injuries. And he always fought through him all the time yep. to make himself available for selection. And fuck, Ben tore his ACL. ACL, yeah. yeah. He was our fly half sophomore year. And then, you know, after a full year of recovery, he comes back. And I remember the game where he finally planted off his right leg, the one he had gotten surgery on, cut his guy on the inside and scored. And I was like, how does it feel to be back? And he didn't even want to recognize it at the point. Right. He's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> but when when you overcome injury, you're kind of the what doesn't kill me makes me strong sure. type. Yeah. That yeah. was our guy. So, all right, I'm going to pivot to my top three. and Let's hear it. You might have stolen a couple of mine, Have Rob, but I'm going to come through with some big three right here. So, all right, so for my top three, I got to start out with a guy who, Rob, you know I'm a big club culture guy. I'm all about, like, what kind of environment are you putting out there and what can new players expect? Mm-hmm. There's a man named Chris Ryan oh. who was one of the best culture guys I've ever fucking met. I, I don't know why I'm talking about him in the past tense. Still is one of the best club culture guys. Without a doubt. His nickname was Blue, but his name is Chris Ryan, and... He has some of the best hands. As far as catching no pass doubt. go, this guy was unbelievable. And granted, like he didn't stand up to your average, like, you know, D1 college rugby size. He was short and stout. But when he came onto the field, like people would try and run at him, and I would always be surprised about how like athletic. When, when it comes down to rugby, if you draw your fucking line in the sand and you say you're not going to get by me and you tag a guy once or twice, he's going to stop coming at you. Mm-hmm. And, and Chris was the best in just getting under people's fucking skin, man. This guy knew how to talk he, shit. He, oh, oh, my goodness. I, uh, I have very, very fond memories of playing with Blue, as he was called, Chris Ryan. 
He is one of the uh, well, we often talk about the kind of rugby community and like kind of the the banter that goes along with it. And I've probably never seen anyone who fits the bill better. He he has a joke for every occasion. He is always down for the drink up, but he's also like a, a solid rugby. Pl- he's a solid rugby player. I mean, he, as you say, great hands. Phenomenal hands. And he was uh, he was the heart and soul of the team. And oftentimes, you know, you you just need a, a good laugh. He was always there for that. You know, he was always there for that. And he, I have more stories than I can count of him at practice at the game. Just. Cracking up the entire team, and light, lighting the mood a little bit. Not just know? fart jokes, like no, like, like, high level humor. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've, I could, I could tell you stories right now. I, I recall we, we were talking about our, um, our old coach Pat Kane, and he was, you know, doing a, a, a passing drill. Anyway, you have to have your, your hands are should be, you know, out towards yourself, you know, ready, ready to receive the pass. And uh, Blue over there was clearly not really paying attention to what Pat was saying. And uh, Pat noticed, and he said, all right, Blue, what did I just say? And Blue just says, when a ball comes towards you, you should have your arms outstretched as if you're choking a lover. (laughs) (laughs) And I honestly, I've never laughed so hard in my life. And even Pat Kane, who was as serious as the day is long, was like, yeah, that pretty much sums it up. And oh my god, it was just just little things like that just make you know make the grueling rugby practice that much more you know fun makes you want to come out even more. It's the camaraderie, the little like funny jokes like that that just make your uh, make the experience so much fun. I'm, I'm not surprised you put him yep. in your top three. Glue guy, Chris Ryan makes my top three. Uh, my second pick is a man who never played a game, Weston Bloomer. Oh, glue guy. Uh, absolute glue guy from start to finish. The problem was he was only a glue guy from start mm. to finish. We really got to see him on the yeah. field. This poor guy broke his collarbone one year out for the year and yeah. then had a second season ending injury. And then his multiple concussions as well. Yeah, I mean... Brutal. There Brutal. are some guys that just want the game so badly and, and Wes moved in a way I could tell that put his body at risk. Right, mm-hmm. you know you have certain hitters. Coaches will typically, and I'm trying to call myself out for the stereotype. Just because someone's fast, agile, and wants to hit doesn't mean they're a flanker. You know, like I, I, I follow that stereotype all the time. I'm like, oh, you, you like to fuck with people? You, you like to get around the field? Boom, you're a flanker. Like, Wes probably should have been a flanker from day one, but mm-hmm. this man just moves so damn fast and hard and didn't understand rugby technique right. that he got his body in dangerous situations and, and he got hurt all the time. But beyond the field, you know, most kids can just pack it in and say, oh, I broke my collarbone, I'm done. Wes was the example of, of what I preach to this day and saying that you can get hurt, you can be out for the year, and you could still be a pivotal part of the team. Mm-hmm. Sure. So he managed our team um, in the 2012 season and in 2013 where, you know, unfortunately you had the downfall, like he was still an active part, yep. even though he wasn't going to set foot on the field. And that takes a lot of ego to swallow, Rob. And I'm encouraging players to step up and if you're done for the year, don't fucking cower and, and slither back to your life and, and disconnect yourself from rugby because – 
you're too proud to be around the team. Right, just because you can't that, get the glory, yeah. you, you fall. And what be West, a part of it. Take the West Bloomer. The West Bloomer approach is always the way to go. And I, as you say, he knew he wasn't going to play, but he, I think he's even after graduation, he's, he took on the role of like, I will be the um, ambassador for our class to you know organize alumni events. I will. He never really like, played a whole lot as an actual like student at Wake Forest, but. Post Wake, he's probably done more for the rugby team than he ever could have as a player. He's constantly saying, like, "Hey, we want to do an alumni event. Like, Ugh, we're doing this." And I'd kill yeah. for a day in in Winston Salem where I could run Pat Kane yeah. over personally. Nah, I already yeah. <laughs> but no, I 100% agree. He was a the uh, complete team player um, on the field and off the field, and he's definitely the kind of person you want to. Um, Exemplify as a, as a as a if you want to build a program, his mentality is um, definitely one to try and copy. I love it. So my last for my top three, it's got to be Jack Zimmerman, mm. aka Zim. At Wake, we had challenges where you know kids were pulling a million different ways. You know, they're doing business school, they're doing too many classes, they're in a fraternity, mm-hmm. they can't commit. Jack was one of those guys that went out, did his obligations, and his junior year he came back and said, I'm a wake rugby player through and through. And you know what? If you can't do all four years with the club, but you come back a new man your junior year and you're ready to go, I don't know. I just love this kid's get up and go. He obviously, uh, for those that know him, was an entrepreneur, started his yep. own wiener company. Sure. Tough business, the wiener business. Dong, the dong business is tough. Jack is one of my favorite people in the sense that every time I talk to him on the phone or in person, like he's thinking like an entrepreneur, but he's also thinking like a rugby man in the sense that, like, who can I get involved? Mm-hmm. Um, how do I get them involved? He was a facilitator, a leader of men, so to speak. And on the rugby field, he played a mean, like, he didn't have the skills for a nine. He had the bulk for a twelve, but he didn't have the height for a twelve. Sure. So he played a so two. So he's this weird <laughs> bastardized position between nine, twelve. Probably should have played a little hooker. He did play a two for a bit. Yeah. If, yeah. We're, if I'm being yeah, honest yeah. right now, um, he had the toughness for a two. That's for sure. Uh, Sam was tough as nails, man. Hope he's listening right now. I hope so too. That's my top so three: Chris Ryan, Wes Bloomer, uh, Jack Zimmer. Squad. That's a great three right there. <laughs> but before we do wrap up, Wake, I do want to say like there are few and far between that can do what he did and, and build a program up mm-hmm. over the course of a decade. And you know, if if Pat is still involved in rugby, per his legal resume mm-hmm. he's still coaching greensboro high school rugby association he's still very involved that I'm makes sure me he, very I'm sure, happy i'm sure he is that. yeah oh my god because you know he's a rugby guy i'll admit rugby. right now rob like pat got frustrated with us because what we considered our best <laughs> your best yeah wasn't our best yeah, yeah exactly it's yeah. Like, don't make me go full connery on your ass yeah. but you know, like we we were putting up what we considered a good college try, and Pat had delivered eight years of work, hoping to build to something bigger. And 
this also is a testament to how college rugby programs, it's very hard to find like a consistent cycle. Mm-hmm. The nature of college is you graduate people every four years. So unless you're fucking Nick Saban diving in and really doing the recruiting and holding grandma's hand and having a bowl of chowder at her house, like I think it's it's gumbo or chili down south mm-hmm. in yeah. chowder. But College rugby is hard to create a like sustainable program if you're not going to sit there and do a decade's worth of recruiting. So Pat did an amazing job. Yes, he, he really stepped did. down in 2013, and our whole fucking cycle rang anew. And guess what, Rob? Last I checked, Wake Forest was playing the Southern Rugby Conference. App State, Furman, Elon, UNC Greensboro. Yeah, I got, I got. No doubt that our teams would have beat this shit. <laughs> these are all the teams that I played as a freshman. You're right. So everything is full circle. Sure. And teams rise like Phoenix and then they fall they back fall down to the ashes. Like the Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> no, but let, let's I, I talk about it. you and your current state. Sure. Um, because this is an MLR podcast. Of course. And. Right now, I need to out you as one of our best callers on the show. First off, if you haven't called in the show, save this number right now on your phone. Because the only reason Rob Kelly calls into the show is because he has it saved in his phone. True. The number is 720-259-8825. Save it right now. Um, Rob has called in as multiple personalities. So who knew you could have a split personality on a radio call? Well, it's true, Shay. I swear to God, as Stuart McClanahan once said, Is that for sick? every Sheila, there's two kangaroos. Oh, mate. We got Stuart McClanahan. <laughs> we have Jacques Gusteau Gusteau. Uh, Rob has called in as multiple people. Doesn't it feel gratifying to just be a whole new person? It certainly does. And what do you have to lose? I mean, just, just just let your heart out and just pretend you're from a different country. I mean, what, what's the worst that could happen? We highly rate accents. If Patty from Providence is any uh, testament to that. But Rob, what I really want to kind of dial in on mm. is you are now a resident of... Well, you grew up in the DMV. True. Um, not, not to go too far back, but you, you played for a high school... Cool. Did, did play in uh, in high school. It was actually my freshman year at high school was the first year my school had a rugby team. So we were playing against some pretty tough competition. Um, but I, I had watched, you know, I played rugby. I didn't play rugby. I had watched rugby throughout my, you know, life as my, my folks were from the UK. But um, my high school had just started a team and I was one of the first players in the team. Yeah. Landed is the name yeah. of the team. I think we've improved over the years, but here's the thing. The D.C. area has um, some very strong rugby programs. Gonzaga High School has... uh, Is Gonzaga too strong for their own good? More questions uh, to come later. (laughs) We'll we'll answer that in the next podcast. But I I do think that... um, I mean, they they are a well-established program. They have hundreds and hundreds of high school players. It's similar to what we were saying. Shout out Mike Wills, Shawnee McMurray. But I mean, I, it, the thing is, I it's similar to what we were saying as you know, Wake Forest versus the big state schools. Your your you know, my high school, my graduating class was seventy five students versus a school of a couple of hundred. It's 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 
tough. I mean, but I think it, it all comes down to the culture of rugby, and you have to grow that passion and that intensity. And um, I think it's important once having grown up in the in the UK and lived in the UK a little bit, the passion for for rugby it's it's becoming very more it's much more apparent in the US and I think as it continues to grow um, it's going to become US is going to become more and more of a powerhouse and there's no reason why like the US won't be more and more competitive in those national competitions it's to me it's it's so I cannot wait for the day where it's you know Australia US in the final of the World Cup I just want the U.S. to be in that conversation, and there's no reason why they can't be, and I, I'm excited for that day. You're a DMV guy. You have a new franchise in your area. We do. And as a fake caller, Jacques Gusteau Gusteau, you are officially the founder of The Glory Hole, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Old Glory's cheering fan base, which, Rob, I, I'm kind of flustered because... They got off to such a good start. Oh my they God, were hosting games at Catholic University. Yep, yep. The it, games it, were sold out. First off, let's just talk about what made that home environment at Catholic University so great. It was, oh uh, my goodness, that's such a good good question. I, I would say the fact that it was so easy to get to for people, and I think making rugby more accessible to people is important. Why, why the sport has grown so much is because it's become more and more accessible. And and Catholic University is such a central location in D.C. where it's easy five minute drive or it's a, a walk or a metro ride just down the street and it's it's just it's so easy to get to. Um, now that they've moved out to Leesburg, it's a little harder to get to. And I'm worried that the passion that was there might fade a little bit. And I but I do think that. The atmosphere, those matches were was just incredible. We, we would have, um, you know, representatives from Scotland come over or whatever it was, Ireland, Scotland, and you could, it was a palpable sense of passion for rugby. And I, I, I just don't want that to fade due to a more, you know, an, uh, more an easier or cheaper location out, of, you know, half an hour away from DC. Uh, out in Leesburg, I, I just I want you know the guys as you say the, the picture you know you want the guys ripping their shirt offs and we want the glory so, hole. I want, the, we want we want the glory holes. We want we want that, and I just I'm afraid that moving too far out from the center of the city will lose some of that passion because that's that is what you want. Oh, okay, yeah, and he's pointing to a great picture on opening day where they defeated the Seattle Sea Wolves, reigning champs with. Just guys with their shirts off, having a good time. But, Rob, here's the thing. Hmm. And and let me play DC ownership right now. We want to go out to the Burbs because we want to cater to a more affluent community who is willing to spend more at rugby games um, and willing to shave off their drive into the city. Where am I wrong? Well, I think that... The short-term approach. I think that um, yes, Loudoun County, where Leesburg, the new stadium is, maybe a more you know per capita affluent income. You want to have a grassroots foundation that's just more 
personally invested in the team, personally invested in the culture. And when you have when you have t- like local teams, even like DC's base of rugby is some of their high school teams. Let's say Gonzaga High School, for example. That's basically downtown DC. There's a passion for rugby in that in that area, and if you move too far away, maybe like you know it's cheaper to have you know a, a field to rent, but you have to have the the passion and the um, the passion behind the sport. And for me, it, it's it's worrisome that you move too far away, where you're, you're going to lose the lose the passion for the sport. And it becomes more of a financial decision. Now, I might back the franchise here and say, in COVID times, maybe they got pressed by Catholic. Maybe they were told, like, hey, fuck off. Like, we can't accommodate you. Mm. Uh, Maybe Loudoun County was a knee-jerk reaction and not a play towards the money and the burbs. But a lot of these MLR teams are going to have to make that long-term decision. Right? Do you hole up in the city center? Do you play for better volume of crowd? Or would you like a smaller crowd that has a better spending, uh, you know, check per capita? Yeah. It's, it's an interesting question. It is a good question. And I, I, it's, it's hard. I mean, do you want a small group of people spending a lot of money or a large group of people spending a little bit of money? <laughs> and I, I would rather have rugby become a across the spectrum more popular sport so for me personally i think i want rugby to be a more all-inclusive you don't need to be out in loudon county virginia to enjoy the sport i want everyone to enjoy the sport because it's a sport that um it's for the people in my opinion but i don't want i don't want you have to be making out Loudoun County, you know, average per capita income is $150,000. I don't want you, you have to make that money to enjoy the sport. I want you to be able to live in D.C., go to, um, you know, Catholic University and watch the game for five bucks and watch the, whatever it is, whatever the, yeah. the economics are, as long as it makes sense for everyone. I just don't think it should be a, um, a sport like golf where it's so exclusive to those who can afford it. um, We don't have any leeway to cut people out. Uh, Rob Kelly, one of the best in the business. Um, I was going to say, before we wrap, can you admit to having a little expertise in the whole, like, rowdy fan base section, being that you founded Mm -hmm. Bizdelic's Barnyard? Can you tell the crowd a little bit about what that is? Sure. Well, um, I can. 2013. Um, Back in 2013, when um, Jeff Bizdelic... Um, took over the Demon Deacons basketball team. We had a little bit of a fan club. You know, we, we we were doing what we could to encourage. You know, the team was the dog team, shit. The team, was, the team wasn't good. I'll, so, I won't mince words. So we we wanted to build a little bit of a you know something fun for the fans. So and we, the players and the, the players and. You know, and everyone loves a little bit of alliteration. So we came up with Bizdelic's Barnyards. And everyone in our little like section would dress up as a different like barnyard animal. So we had a cow, a pig, sheep, giraffe. I mean, you name it, we had it. We in the crowd, and we and we got some very mixed responses from current students and uh, and alums. One in particular that I remember uh, was brutal. 
I think so. I think someone had written. Well, you know the interwaves; like they're they're just not going to let you. And off. it's forever. I mean, this is forever. Once you publish it on Rugby Pickham, it stays there forever. I mean, someone had written, bunch of goddamn losers like Duke students who dress up as superheroes for a football game. How do you explain to your child one day? Even childs of losers don't really know how much their parents fucking suck. <laughs> their kids will know at an early age if they come across this footage, photos or stories of their dad about how he dressed up like a fucking barnyard <laughs> animal for a college basketball game. <laughs> I mean... And that internet commenter probably felt so good about himself. He really did. And his name is... Let's tag Stan that. Gable. Oh, so if Stan's out there... Fuck you, Stan. Give us a shout. <laughs> Love to chat. Yeah, but you know what? In, through Bizdell's Barnyard, you're actually being kind of brave. You're like, hey, let's do something different. Anything. Like, just act like complete lunatic. We, we, and the, the, have you ever been to a fucking Rugby Sevens tournament? The whole goal is to dress up as, and be different. As silly as possible. I one of, We went out to uh, Vegas for the Sevens. I remember... Um, what I, year? Uh, it was 2015, I want to say. And I, re- I distinctly recall, you know, there was a group of guys, and there was six of them, and they had dressed up as like a Bud Light six-pack. So whenever anyone had to go piss, like all six of them had to go together. <laughs> so like all... Like, it was just like... Such a, like they were obviously very like, uncomfortable, but it was like the fact that they were all in it together. Like it was perfect. Every, it was perfect. It, it's such like, a rugby thing. Like you know what? Like we're just gonna go. We have a cardboard box that we're all gonna stand in. Like we're all bottles and just like, go to a rugby match in Vegas. And it was it was so much fun. I mean, it, you can't beat that kind of camaraderie. Uh, I've, I've I've played other sports. I have yet to find the kind of camaraderie that matches uh, rugby. Rob, in my parting words, you know I care about the future of the mm. game. As your average, you're an old glory season ticket holder. You are a, an engaged man. Congratulations. Let's cling to that. Thanks. You're going to have a family. You're going to have kids who play rugby. How does the MLR sell you in the future? That's a good question. Well, Thank I, you. I would say this year has thrown everything out of whack. This year but is I, a total I would wash. Say, total I'm going to consider it a wash. What I, outside of the actual sport, which I still consider the best sport in the world, the I will always sell rugby first as the camaraderie, the community. Wherever you go with rugby, the, the friends you make, the people you meet, even... I remember in our Wake Forest days, some of the best memories are the kind of drink ups where you are with the other team you just played against and just fought against, oh, and just battled against. It's raw, and it's raw, and you like you you know you see that number seven that just like punched you in the face, but I after the game, you, just the game, it's like you know what, like I would have done the same thing to you, and it's a, it's a mutual kind of appreciation of you know what, like like you you are like. You you play the game tough. You play the game hard, but so do I. And I think when it comes to the future of the the MLI, as you said, I think it's just it's it's selling the culture of rugby more than just the sport. 
and how much fun it is and how much how much you get out of it other than just scoring a try here and there. It's it's the whole experience, the whole community of rugby and how it's such an inclusive, supportive network. And then I think, as you've said in previous podcasts, you know, it's like, it can help you get a job down the road. It can help you. It's just, it, you it, it, these are people who can help you. It, it's, it's, it's something where these are people who have your best interests. And if you is if you buy into the culture, there are people there who will support you. And I think it's so important um, in your life, in the short term, in the long run, that you um, care about that. Ladies and gentlemen, the best, Rob Kelly. We call him Bob Jim Kelly, but he goes by Rob Kelly. Maybe it's the other way around. sport and I'm, I'm glad to see it consistently growing the general camaraderie you find in rugby is really unlike anything else we played for a coach named Pat Kane oh legend Carolina cocktail of rugby sure So a little backstory on uh, Bob Kelly here. Bob, I'm blowing smoke up your ass, but what I'm saying is... You were a glue guy. Hamish Ingalls was his name. Um, is his name, actually. Final game, if I may reminisce. Let's hear it. It's called Top Three. Oh. My main man, Johnny McMurray. Goodness, that's such a good, good question. I, I would say it's an awesome sport, and I'm, I'm glad to see it consistently growing. Know your role.